Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. Good day. My name is Evelyn Aka. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. We are based in Calgary, Alberta, and we have two offices in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada as well. I focus primarily on cross-border NAFTA immigration law for professionals as well as families and individuals looking to move to Canada or move to the United States. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. I'm really excited today because I have the pleasure of speaking with Melanie Cole from Airden Burles Law Firm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And she is a partner at Airden Burles focusing on cross-border business and capital markets and cross-border transactions. And welcome so much, Melanie. Thanks for making time for this. Oh, thank you so much, Evelyn. It's, it's my pleasure and uh, I'm excited to chat with you today. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so tell me about you. Tell me about your practice a little bit. Talk about you know, how long you've been doing what you've been doing and a little bit about your career progression and then we'll get into the cross-border stuff. Absolutely. So um, I started out uh, after my undergrad degree in uh, Ottawa and I was working for a a cabinet minister. And I got interested in law because I was uh, working on self-governance legislation for First Nations and was working with a lot of people from the Justice Department. And I said, you know, this is really an interesting, uh, you know, tool to to use. You know, lawyers have uh, different tools to approach problems than uh, you know, I decided to go to law school. My chief of staff at the time encouraged it. Uh, I ended up um, after articling, I articled during the, the Lehman Brothers crash, the last economic recession. So it was an interesting time uh, for someone who was thinking about corporate law. And, uh, you know, it was it was a challenging time, which is, you know, not a, not at all um, as challenging as, you know, the, the economic and uh, social issues we're facing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was certainly challenging. Anyway, I got into uh, corporate law and and more on the capital market side. So, what I what I do on a day to day basis is that I help both public and private companies uh, with their growth trajectory. Uh, I help them um, establish themselves both you know domestically and internationally. Uh, help them you know with the with their day to day corporate and commercial agreements. Uh, help them, you know, in terms of their growth, in terms of financings. That's a lot of what I do is help uh, to help source and uh, ensure that the laws and regulations are followed when people are ra- uh, raising money. Great, and that they're doing that with uh, yeah. So, so I do a lot of that. Our firm is about 150 or 60 lawyers now. We oh. sort of uh, cover the gamut of of, uh, of um, things on the corporate side. Uh, so a pretty, a pretty interesting career, uh, and I do enjoy it. I like working with uh, with the clients and getting to know them. That's fabulous. I remember my years back in the day when I worked in Toronto on Bay Street, and Eric <laughs> Burles has always had a wonderful reputation, and they've always been a local firm that did great work. So it's really exciting that um, they're growing and growing the way they are. Um, so let's start chatting about um, your work. So basically, you know, the reason that we were connected by a mutual friend is because I do cross-border immigration and and we thought that there'd be some nice synergies around that with the transactional work you do cross-border. So at Aquilaw, we work with foreign companies and individuals who need legal assistance to get immigration so they can open branch offices, subsidiaries, head offices, whatever it is based on you know, how they want to structure. 
and we really want to help people cross borders seamlessly and we don't do corporate work. So for us, it's always sending it out elsewhere, referring it to professionals mm-hmm. like yourself. Um, so tell me about Aird and Burles' focus on doing business in Canada and that cross-border piece. Where did that mandate come from or how long have you guys been focused on that and that, that mid-market kind of focus? Yeah, so so it's always been sort of the bread and butter of Aird and Burles from the beginning. Uh, we've had over the years many opportunities to merge both you know, across the country and internationally with other firms. And they've really decided to focus um, instead of being pizza and pasta, uh, they're, they're focusing on one, on, on one, uh, you know, segment of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we, 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 we work with startups and we work with huge billion dollar public companies. Uh, so and everything in between, but I would say that the majority of our clients are in the growth phase of their business. Um, and so when you have companies at that level, uh, you, you're, you're needing to collaborate, uh, especially when the clients are located elsewhere, mm-hmm. uh, with specialists across the, across Canada and also internationally. And so, you know, we do a lot of business back and forth with the U.S. And I would say that um, one of the main drivers, uh, because when people are coming to Canada, uh, one of the main drivers and what's making their decision about how they're how they're going to come over, what kind of office they're going to open, which I know is something that you help them figure out as well. Uh, is it's driven by tax. Yes. Uh, and it's driven by the tax system, both personally, personal income tax and also corporate tax. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- that's uh, a very strong area of our firm. And we have specialists who work very hard internationally to uh, develop those connections. Um, yep. And that's always been a very uh, helpful thing for us because mm-hmm. often we're, the work we're getting is from other professionals and to develop those relationships is, is always been very important to to Aaron Burles and also just to have the chops when the work comes in to be able to uh, help our clients uh, reach the next level. Perfect. So how do you think Canada's laws and programs have changed to become more welcoming to foreigners who want to launch businesses in Canada? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on the immigration front is certainly your your uh, bread and butter, speaking of bread and butter. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen some interesting opportunities, I think, for Canada uh, given some of the recent pronouncements, especially in the United States, uh, with what's going on there and, and, and some of the limitations. So people are looking to Canada, which I think is a huge opportunity um, to, to welcome people who are wanting to start businesses. And, you know, the, the government's come up with some really interesting programs uh, on the immigration side just to have people come here. So the, uh, the GTS program uh, is one of those programs uh, that, you know, is helping people come over. Skilled I'm workers. Break it down. Yeah, for sorry. Yeah, yeah. Experienced as you and I are. <laughs> yeah. So the global talent stream. That's that's one of the yeah. the you know important things that the government has done. Um, but there are other things that I think are attractive. And I mean, you mm-hmm. can speak more to the immigration side. But I would say, um, you know, once people are here, uh, people need funds to grow their businesses. And we're seeing companies like. TELUS and uh, RBC, and they're investing yeah. in startup staged businesses, and they're they're actually providing funding and wow. accelerators for for those kind of companies. Mm-hmm. And you're also seeing, uh, you know, in terms of capital raising in in Canada, uh, venture capital has gone up about 500 uh, percent in Canada since about 2014, which is unbelievable. So we're seeing people who are investing in the growth of, of companies, which I think is attractive to people yeah, um, right. you know, who are coming here and wanting to grow a business. 
I think it's great. I mean, like for us, we get the benefit of people like what I'm seeing on the immigration side is um, people from Silicon Valley or from other parts of the United States, from Asia, who are looking at Canada now and thinking, hey, this might be a great place to create a branch or a, a, a center of intelligence or excellence because of other immigration issues on the U.S. side. And so it's a great opportunity to kind of, you know, we call it nearshoring, where they will bring their skilled people to Canada, set up a business. They need all the tax. They need all the corporate. They need all the employment. They need IP, all the things that you provide to help them to launch successfully and keep their people here, right? I mean, they don't want to lose skilled workers. Are you seeing that in your practice too? Um, yeah, I mean, on the tech side, we, you know, we, with, if you think about Waterloo, for example, the amazing program that they have at Waterloo, uh, we, we see a lot of what's called brain drain um, from Waterloo, where, where there, a lot of these people are getting scooped up and going to, to uh, you know, Silicon Valley and, and, and other tech hubs. So, so yeah, you definitely see that happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. So tell me about um, tech immigration. Like, do you, what, how connected are you to that and what trends are you seeing in the international tech clients that are coming here? I mean, I always see them at the end when they've already basically decided they've already spoken to somebody like you, they've engaged a corporate lawyer. They usually know already what they want. And if not, then I refer them. But what are you seeing in terms of that? Is it the H1B kind of issues in the States that's driving this or is there something else? Maybe our tax structure? I don't know. I mean, just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, you've raised something that's important. And again, I think a lot of these decisions, at least on the business level, are, are, dr- are driven by tax. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a, a quite affordable, uh, you know, rent and other other uh, other issues. I mean, if you look at Manhattan versus uh, downtown Toronto, even though downtown Toronto is is very expensive. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a less, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So uh, there's a lot of attractive things about, about Canada. Um and also we have a very stable bank system, yeah. uh, which can be, which is really, really important. I mean, even in the last economic recession, we were able to weather that mm-hmm. pretty well um, yeah. because of the strength of our bank system. I would say in terms of corporate tax, it's on a downward trend. So if you look, uh, you know, in the last even 10 years, uh, the corporate tax has gone down, I think, from 18 to 15 in 2019. So uh, it, that's a low percentage. And internationally, that is a, that is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something else that's bringing people uh, is, you know, we have world-class education. And uh, we have it at a much lower price tag than some of the private colleges in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an understatement, even though it's still horrendously expensive. But it doesn't uh, compare, right? <laughs> no, it's just a whole other ball game. So I think that's helping us to attract and retain mm-hmm. um, an educated workforce. You're uh, totally right. I mean, I yeah. love that about Canadian immigration is that we can bring highly educated people or skilled people. They go to university, do a master's, PhD, and then we're so happy to keep them. And so immigration policies have changed over the years to be like, hey, why are you coming and leaving? We want to create a path for you to become a permanent resident over time because you've already adapted. You're you, you're adaptable. You, Absolutely. You built your network. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you speak yeah. your language. You do all those great things. So that's really important. I'm really glad to hear you mention that because I don't think people appreciate how expensive school is other parts of the world, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't think we'd be lawyers if we were in the States or other parts of the world. It's it's over. No, not at all. 
Um, one yeah. thing I'm really interested in that Aaron Burles is doing, and you mentioned it, is your interest in the cannabis industry. And yeah. we've got some cannabis clients as well. And it's been an interesting trajectory of up and slowing down over, you know, things are changing. But tell me about how cannabis has changed your practice or, or the legalization, I should say, of cannabis. Um, what impact has it had and what, what kind of work are you seeing coming through your doors? Yeah, well, on the capital market side, I was actually on maternity leave um, at, in 2017. And I came back in 2018 and all of a sudden I was a cannabis lawyer. Um, before I had been doing a lot of mining and a great deal of tech, and I still do both of those things. But I had to, as soon as I came back from maternity leave, get up the, the learning curve on cannabis, uh, which has been a very interesting opportunity for a lawyer uh, it, it, to be involved in the growth of the businesses. And, and, and not just businesses that are starting from scratch, but those who are coming over from the legacy or illicit market mm-hmm. uh, and, and wanting to, uh, you know, go through the process to, to become a legal operating business uh, in the cannabis space. Yeah. Wow. It's, been, it's been a fascinating ride. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, do you see foreigners coming in with any interest in investing? Like I obviously, I see it from the, we want to hire highly skilled growers who are very hard Absolutely. to find. Like they're just, you know, people are just poaching here and there because you're so specialized, but I didn't yeah. see, I haven't seen the trend yet. Maybe, you know, of foreign businesses or foreigners who want to invest in the cannabis industry in Canada since it's legal here now. Absolutely. And, and uh, there was a lot of interest. I mean, we we're the first G7 nation to legalize cannabis and, you know, on the recreational side. And, and that's a pretty huge thing for a little country like Canada t- to do. Um, it's a step and I think an important one. If you look historically at, uh, you know, cannabis laws and regulations across the you know, both Canada and the U.S. and other places, and in, in it's it's still like this. Yes. But there's a real, really, you know, in terms of the laws uh, that were very draconian, um, it's a huge disproportionate effect of on people of color yes. uh, and certain more vulnerable community, vulnerable communities. So uh, it's been a really important important change for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because things have changed so much in the last few years already, cannabis. And in my practice, it's um, as soon as they came out with the the legalization and then the whole pardon, I was thinking, well, actually, that's not going to change anything. Because on the U.S. side, people don't realize that U.S. immigration or U.S. government, they don't recognize Canadian pardons. And so they're still inadmissible. And so I've been, you know, we're working on a project at Law. We're really trying to get the message out that you still need to get a visa waiver to go to the U.S., um, even if you have a Canadian pardon because of cannabis possession from 20 years ago. It still, you know, doesn't go away. Um, And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about that. Tell me. Yes, what you need is expungement. Complete expungement, yeah. (laughs) Do you... um, do you do any work in the startup visa in the startup visa kind of world, which is like the visa related? Yeah, it's entrepreneur. So I was just thinking about that just off the top. Yeah, yeah, we have a we have a, a pretty strong startups practice, and I think part of the the issue of coming to a Bay Street firm is cost related, and uh, you want good work, but you're at the growth stage of your business, and you don't have a ton of resources. So we have sort of packages that allow us to. Um, 
help companies with some mm-hmm. of the more basic documents that you need at that stage, as well as their financings going forward. So oh, certainly, yeah, and we have some of our junior lawyers uh, are very involved in some of the startup groups and the accelerators and yeah. have great uh, angel networks and things like that. So it's 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 quite an ecosystem. Okay. And we're certainly tapped into that. And, and uh, it, it's a great way also just on the other end for for lawyers to learn mm-hmm. uh, because you're involved, you're involved with a, a business from day one, yeah. uh, helping them uh, along their decision-making tree. Uh, and so it, it's, it's very, very good education for, for lawyers at all stages, for sure. That's awesome. Good, good, good. So listen, I want to talk, obviously, we're doing this in the midst of COVID and um, yeah. it's been five months almost. And we were just talking before we started our kids and school and daycare and all of those challenges for everybody, much less we're lawyers, we're, we're partners we're at a law firm, we're running, you know, businesses and we're mothers. And how has that affected your practice at Airden Burleys? Have you seen any impact or how have you guys pivoted to turn this, you know, very challenging time into something positive for your team? Yeah, I would say what I would f- say first is that um, we have a really incredible group of staff uh, and junior lawyers, you know, including our, our IT group, which how people go into <laughs> IT services for lawyers, I have no idea, but these people are angels on earth and uh, <laughs> uh, put up with a lot. So they've worked incredibly hard to make this as seamless as possible uh, in terms of uh, allowing us to have the technology to do our work and keep our clients sort of front of mind and uh, ensure that we're uh, meeting the obligations and uh, delivering good client service. Mm-hmm. So you guys are uh, off-site now, pretty much? Or have- yeah. Right. So, so in Ontario, we were declared from the beginning as an essential service. Thanks. So no, we weren't required to close. Yeah. So we weren't required to, to close our offices. So we've never officially been closed. I would say that uh, some people continue to go to the office, but mm-hmm. there's no pressure to do so. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but our offices have remained open. Right. Um, and I think... In terms of what's changed, I, I think generally lawyers, from what I've found, uh, it, it can be they can be very reluctant to change and, and adjust the way they've always done things, because um, it's sort of like I've always seen it like case law. You know, we look backwards yes. in case law to see what we do next, and so the evolution's slow and incremental, and mm-hmm. um, and so I think what COVID has done, at least for me and for some of the other people that I've worked, I work with you know, including my clients, yeah. but it's, it's sort of forced us all to look pretty carefully at the way we do things and why we do them mm-hmm. and if they're necessary and if there's other, you know, more efficient or innovative ways of, of conducting business and communicating. Uh, so I think that that, and also how to deliver legal services. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a model that, uh, you know, with the exception of, of, uh, you know, people like you who go out and, 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 you know, start something with their own vision. I think uh, with, with big lawyer, with big law firms, it, it can be difficult to, to change. So this has sort of forced us to, to face um, what may be a new reality for a mm-hmm. little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's sort of been a jumpstart for evolution in our thinking and our willingness to consider different approaches and paths. I think it's great. I mean, yes, I mean, I'm, it's awful that we have to deal with COVID, but I also feel yeah. like, you know, it does force us. And I mean, I was working like you, big, big street firms for years and, and everything was old school. We had lawyers who didn't even know how to use the, the computer, you know, like it was those, of the, you know, excuse when- me, can you print this email for me? What? 
you know, that's happened to me. I remember <laughs> that it just being like, this was dictated. This email was dictated. I'd be like, oh my goodness. So, you know, I'm yeah. older than you. And I, you know, I, I think I was called in 99, but I started, uh, I finished law school in 97. And I remember just thinking, we are like dinosaurs. And what I love, uh, you know, what the good in this awfulness of COVID has been is it's forced us all to be exponential growth in how we provide services and to to move everybody faster than we probably would have Mm -hmm. wanted you know along the way and to keep up with our clients because our clients have also been very motivated stay at home and zooming all day long and finding different ways to provide the services in a safe manner so i mean i think it'll be interesting to see a year from now two years from now when hopefully we're back to some new norm what it's going to look like and how, you know, how the whole world of law will, will look yeah. in two years. I'm, I'm very curious to see what will happen. And I hope we can hold on to some of, some of the Agreed. progressive yeah. changes that allow for flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like as women in law, as mothers, we know that it, it hasn't really changed. Certain places haven't changed as quickly as they could, even to recognize fathers and paternity leave and other things like that. Um, the fact that you can do work, you don't have to be sitting in your office for 18 hours a day. We know that that's possible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it can make us better, better lawyers. Uh, It can make us better communicators. If we're, if we have, if we're not spending two plus hours a day in the car, uh, you know, so that there's, I I agree with you. I hope that there's some things that we can bring forward. Yeah. uh, And just some understanding for each other, I think has also been a great, a great uh, development. I think so too. And one thing I know about Erin Burles from years ago is you've always had a real focus on First Nations law, you know, connected to energy mining and other areas and even cross border. Um, how has Erin Burles kind of worked to promote some diversity and whether it's doing business across the border or even your clients or your staff? Yeah. So I think this is a really important topic. Um, I guess in particular because of the Black Lives Matter movement, I think it's it came at an interesting time when people were already uh, thinking outside of their day to day. And I think, uh, you know, you know, although the black lives matter movement has, you know, I, I think it's just gained momentum in the last little while. And I think it's uh, sort of provides a context, but I think people's minds were a little bit more open uh, mm-hmm. and they had a bit more time for reflection and thinking, which I think is great. And there's a great dialogue happening about privilege, which I think is important for people to, to, mm-hmm. to understand. Um, I would say on the Erdenborough list side, uh, and personally, I think it's a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, I think we're working hard, though, to put a great deal of resources into our diversity inclusion activities. We have a, uh, a policy, diversity, and inclu- diversity inclusion policy, and part of that is that they uh, appoint a diversity inclusion partner. And yeah. that partner's role it is, is it to to uh, you know, guide the diversity inclusion program throughout the firm, mm-hmm. and that both that's both within the firm, but also our external uh, communications and involvement, uh, because our firm is, uh, you know, I, I I don't actually know the statistics. I did when I was part of the student recruitment uh, 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 committee, but I know that. Uh, it's front of mind, uh, you know, to get people in the door, the diversity part, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, and somebody likened it to, you know, the, the 
diversity part is getting people, this is your bucket, getting people in the top of the bucket. And inclusion is making sure you don't have a hole at the bottom uh, where people are falling out and not yeah. feeling included and, and not. Uh, so that always really made sense to me yeah. um, that we have to stop up these holes in the bucket to, to ensure that people actually stay there and feel comfortable to do so. That's so, great. so that, yeah, we've done some really great things. The firm committee, I think it's about nine people. They meet all the time uh, and they focus on event, events and initiatives within the firm uh, and without, uh, with, outside the firm. You mentioned Indigenous, indigenous uh, work that they've done. I think they had a great event on National Indigenous Peoples Day. We had a Black Tech Innovators webinar right. uh, where, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. We had a, in, events for Black History Month, um, Pride events, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and so the, the firm's been really mindful to curate content um, and thought leadership to mm -hmm. work both internally and externally uh, and with speakers who promote uh, racial inclusion. That's so great. I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, things are changing and for everybody, right? And even in my own little immigration firm, we're diverse because a lot of us have an immigration story. There's a reason people end up in our area. But even then you want to think about, for me, is how am I promoting inclusion and all other types of inclusion? Even as a black woman, you're always thinking, what else could I be doing? Or yeah. what about, you know, when it comes to LGBTQ issues mm -hmm. or other things, you know, that are not personal for me, but that are important right. to be inclusive of. So I think it's fabulous. Um, tell me about your experience as a woman in law. I mean, you've been practicing now for how long? Uh, 12 years almost, I guess. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it goes fast, yeah. huh? It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> has it been, I mean, I know we all have different stories, but how have your, has your experience been? Do you feel like, especially doing corporate law, I started years ago as a corporate lawyer and I was like, not for me. And so I love that you <laughs> stuck it out and yeah, you, you come out of it in this really wonderful way and found your niche, but how was it and how is it now? Are you happy in the area? I, you know, I think that the conversation is accelerating in terms of uh, diversity generally, but I think people seem more comfortable talking about um, gender diversity uh, as a sort of jumping off point sometimes, especially on the corporate level. Uh, it's something concrete that they feel they can uh, address. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's been lots going on in terms of looking at diversity on public boards. And I think yeah. investors are starting to, you know, not only know that it's the right thing to do, uh, but also see the impact uh, of having women involved on their bottom line. And I think that that, you know, as the companies that we work with become more diverse, uh, you know, it, it's great for us as women to see those models um, out there. Mm -hmm. I would say that, um, you know, it's not all sunshine and lollipops. I think that there, you know, for me, there's been some some moments of, of struggle, the moments where I'm the only woman in the room and my gender becomes a focus and uh, it's not comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that somebody taught me is there's a difference between being nice and being kind mm -hmm. uh, and that I think <laughs> that I think you know I, I've had to sort of force myself in those situations where I feel uncomfortable um, where you can be kind you can you know uh, be kind but you don't have to be nice you don't have yeah. to uh, you don't have to accept uh, behavior that's inappropriate or that uh, minimizes your contribution to the room because mm -hmm. that's really what it is you want to be able to stand on your own two feet feel confident um, deliver a message and have it not matter which mouse it's coming out of. Exactly. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> so, so I think that that for me has been a, lear- a learning curve, mm-hmm. uh, just personally. Um, but I do, I do feel the conversation is changing. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I remember being the first and only and, you know, boardrooms and it's interesting. I'm in a business group right now that I'm the only woman and I'm, there are only two people of color, one Asian person, Asian man and me and, and everyone else, you know, and, and people would be like, why did you join that group? But for me, it was getting to know them. And obviously race is important and inclusion and diversity are important and representation. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also felt like there's a reason that I've been invited to join this invitation business group. And even though I may not feel always like I'm at their level, some of them, Oh, you know, are leading public companies, very large and, and have 800 employees or more 10,000. And I have my small little firm. I feel like there's a reason that they're open to having me present now and invited me to join. And we are working at getting another woman in the group because they do need to hear a different perspective. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And so it's taken me a while to feel comfortable with it, but it's been a really wonderful and the kindness you talk about is definitely experience. I think if anything, to go above and beyond to be, you know, incredibly kind because I am the only one that looks like me in that room. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think these are experiences that women in law have had for, for decades and yeah. we're hoping that, it will change and that we will stay and find ways to make law work for us. You know, I'm so happy that you're sticking it out and you're doing great work and it's been a long time you've been practicing. And for me, it was, um, I could have stayed and been a partner at that global firm and done my thing. But I also felt for me, my area, unlike yours, I don't need a whole team, right. To do transactional work. And I literally thought I don't need to be paying for suede walls and <laughs> all the expensive you know, in the library because everything I do is online. And, and yeah. I just thought I, my practice is a little plug and play, but when you need tax and corp and bodies yeah. to do due diligence and you know what I mean? You need a team. It makes sense that you are where you are at and growing your, your practice. And so I think it's really wonderful. I'm really impressed that you are doing this work and it's such important work. And I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to work with you and Aaron Burles and to be be able to refer our clients. Because again, as you know, we don't do anything except for what we do in immigration and Canadian U S. Have you guys seen at Aaron and Burles more questions about the, the makeup of the firm and the, because I've been hearing from the States and the U S there seems to be a real, like how many people of color, how many gays and lesbians, how many do you, are you seeing that on your on your side of things? Absolutely, uh, we are seeing that, and I think uh, you know there's there's public interest in in, in 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 information like that, and certainly law schools are interested in who's ending up where uh, eventually. Um, but I think what we're also seeing is clients who are uh, insisting on diverse teams. Oh, wow. uh, they won't, yeah. So, so, uh, I think it's happening increasingly and I would say it's, it's more on the larger public company yeah. side that they're yeah. really making those kind of, um, not demands, but requests, which mm-hmm. I think are, are, are important, uh, and will drive the conversation because unfortunately sometimes when, uh, sometimes you need uh, something to speak to your bottom line in order to, to make a real change. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's an important motivator when our clients were, this is a service industry, we're there to, to provide them, not just the services, but, uh, it's a relationship building. And if, mm-hmm. if this is important to our clients and it should be important to us. That's um, great. I mean, it seems so very American, you know, focus at least 
back then. Now it's interesting for me to see how it's crossed the border. And even for RFE purposes, you're getting asked more questions like that, you know, and absolutely. Yeah. That's great. And and I think I welcome the questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, sometimes I think I, you know, I want to be able to give better answers. And I think the way I can do that is by staying engaged in the firm, working with younger lawyers, uh, mentoring, um, being an ally for, for people who are experiencing difficult things within the firm that made them not feel included. Uh, and also to be involved in, uh, what I was for a long time, which is the, you know, hiring of people initially. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and them in. Yeah. yeah, that that's a huge yeah. thing is, is bringing them in. And yeah, I was, I did, I was doing the student program for a long time as well. And mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity to see all the people that are out there and the diversity that's out there and then how they move through the firms. And then somewhere along the line, that diversity changes and the same with women. And I'm really hoping to see um, some changes where this, even this COVID situation and childcare and, you know, school and all those issues we were having while we're running practices and, um, yeah. may change where now we don't need to sit in the office 18 hours a day and we can do our work and it may keep more women in law because of the technology changes that are now forced upon us that are changing the nature of law. So I'm really optimistic for the future. I hope that that yeah, will too. definitely be a positive thing for more of us women leaders. And, um, and I just think you're doing wonderful work. So I want you to keep up the great work and I hope we have a chance to work together soon. And I want to yeah, thank you too. so Absolutely. much. Is there anything else you want to share about you and your practice in Aaron Burles before we wrap up our discussion today? No, just that, uh, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. It's, uh, it's nice to see uh, someone who's been so successful. You've built such a, a great firm with a, what, an incredible uh, reputation. And uh, it's just a, a pleasure to talk to you and, and share some of this. And I've certainly learned from you uh, today. Thank you so much, Melanie. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. I hope the information was valuable to you. Please do let me know if you have any questions. You can reach us at akalaw.com, A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com, or you can contact us by phone at 403-452-9515. Have a great day. Thank you.